what I think is a great and quite entertaining duo pinning Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Ryan Reynolds in the first film I think they've done together is it's just genius and i i guess i have to kind of attribute most of that to the fact that somebody like dwayne johnson really can't be typecasted like at this point in time he's good in comedy he's great in action you know he's starting to really make a name for himself as somebody who can kind of go either way like i really haven't seen too many serious roles i guess you can say at least recently you know, I mean, probably in his, like, past, a lot of those other films could be considered a little bit more on the serious side, maybe, you know, but still somehow relating to something that is still in his ballpark of what he's good for. But the comedy is something that, you know, you appreciate from a guy like him because he does all of his comedy very well. Central Intelligence is a great film. The Jumanji films are really, really good. And, you know, I mean, maybe even the Fast and the Furious might be considered uh, kind of more dramatic, but again, still sort of action. But I'm sure everybody has heard the stories of him and Vin Diesel on Fast and the Furious and how that's kind of a dead in the water subject right now. But moving on, you have somebody with the the, the buildup of not being typecasted in the way that he is in Dwayne Johnson. Then you have Ryan Reynolds, who is, in and of himself is a great actor. And almost everything that he touches is, you know, just it, it winds up being, you know, massively entertaining. And putting the two of them in a film like this where they kind of feed off of each other and seeing that for the first time, you know, it's seeing these two actors that you realize you've never really seen do anything together before. It's fun to watch them sort of play off of each other and watch their their, their dynamic. They really have tremendous on-screen chemistry when it comes to the comedy and the comedy timing and everything. And watching the film from start to finish just for them is completely worth it. Then you add Cal Gadot into it, who I know previously I have referred to her as Cal Got It, but I was pronouncing it wrong. I've heard it pronounced as Cal Gadot. That makes way more sense to me, especially with the fact that I'm sure the T is not pronounced as it is in the normal English dialect. So my apologies previously for saying your name incorrectly, but... Cal Gadot does a great job in this film as well. And I'm also going to go out on the women's side. I believe this is the first time she's worked with any of them as well. Like, it's a nice trio to have in a film like this that they've never worked together before. Now, is the story worth it? Well, it's kind of a mixture between, I want to say, Indiana Jones and... No, it's, it's, I can't even say like National Treasure or anything, any of these other films that are very similar. It's kind of just like Indiana Jones. It's just instead of being about, you know, Mesopotamia and the, the, um, uh, the Holy Grail or what, it, what a lot of those films were about, it's more about, um, ancient Egypt and Nazis. You know, that's why I say it's like Indiana Jones, because almost every Indiana Jones film in some way, shape, or form involves the Nazis, because it takes place in that, like, time period. Um, well, actually, no. No, yeah, I feel like the Nazis in some shape or form are involved in the majority of Indiana Jones-style films. 
I believe so. Because even the fourth one, I believe, was had the Nazis <clears throat> fighting for the Crystal Skull as well. So it's ba- it's basically you know Egypt and ancient Egypt and these three eggs that were meant to be gifts to Cleopatra that nobody has ever found or seen before. And of course the Nazis had one. So when you find when you, in order to find the third one, you have to find where the, the Nazis hit it. So Dwayne's Dwayne Johnson's character plays an FBI profiler. And then Ryan Reynolds character plays an international art thief. And then Cal Gadot plays a better international art thief. So the two of them are trying to, like, find it while Dwayne's character is trying to, like, profile them to see what their next step is. And it turns into this scenario where Dwayne gets framed, has to work with Ryan to capture Gal Gadot to get the three eggs and bring them back to the authorities and stop her from stealing it for, you know, black market purposes, I would say. And... That, that's essentially the entire thing. Now, it's a very simplistic story, and again, being just the idea of a reimagined Indiana Jones-style film, and that's the best way I can really describe it if you haven't seen it yet. It's been out for a couple of weeks now, and what I really did appreciate was that it went into theaters, surprisingly enough, on, I think, like, the 5th for a week? And then it went to Netflix like a week, like on the 12th. So it was very strange that Netflix decided to do that when, I mean, maybe they're trying to do a proof of concept because Disney does something very similar right now. So maybe they're trying to see like, oh, will people go and see the movie sooner if we put them out in theaters first? Now I'm going to say that might work because Disney has already sort of proven that that model works. It It's proven with... Black Widow that had a lot of people going to see it in theaters and a lot of people streaming it. That was the whole reason for the huge lawsuit that Scarlett Johansson brought on Marvel Studios. It was proven with, you know, Shang-Chi. It was proven with Halloween Kills. Like, all of these films that were released in theaters first that eventually came out under these streaming services very shortly after. It works. The issue is is that these were films that are not just anticipated, but they're films that are already kind of part of people's habits of seeing first in a theater format. You know, like most people see a Marvel film in movies before they wait to watch it again on either streaming or buying the DVD or whatever. Halloween Kills, highly anticipated film, that went to theaters and then was released on the Paramount service shortly after, or maybe at the same time, but... Most people were anticipating that for three years. So they're going to go see it in movie theaters because that's the experience they're getting. Red Notice is is nothing. It, it's a one-off. Granted, it's got three big names, but are you expecting three big names to drag people to the theaters a week before they're going to be able to watch it on Netflix? When I'm going to say a large portion of them have Netflix... So who who's going to watch the only people that are going to watch this are the people who don't have Netflix and maybe they have to care about one of these three 
actors or actresses to say, oh, I have to go see this because it's a Dwayne Johnson, a Cal Gadot, or a Ryan Reynolds film. I see all of those films in theaters. And you again, you only gave it a week. Like, I understand that you like there's a time frame where things are released from theaters and then they go into the, the DVD and the streaming world. Same thing with television shows. Most of the time when these shows have you know, streaming deals with like either Netflix or Hulu or, or um, any other streaming services that has access to those channels, they'll wait till the season ends, maybe two weeks, and then the whole season will be up. You know, that was the case with, you know, Arrow and Supernatural, almost all the CW shows. Once their season's over, all 20 some odd episodes are up on, say, Netflix or on like the CW website or on Hulu or whatever they have the deals with that allows them to stream those things. So I get it that you have that that time frame where you're, you're meant to wait until you release it onto another format of seeing it. But this isn't a big deal to me. Like, I don't see the premise of why they thought this would be the film that Netflix would put out that would drag people to the theaters over waiting for it to pop up on Netflix. Literally, like, six days after it premiered in theaters. Like, I just don't see it. Like, if you wanted to tell me that you were doing a Stranger Things movie and then eventually the Stranger Things movie would go onto Netflix, but you wanted to put it in theaters for two weeks. Yeah, I'll go see a Stranger Things movie in theaters. Say if it's a movie that leads into the newest season, kind of like a special almost. We have this special movie event that's going to be in theaters for two weeks only, and then we're going to be leading it into the next season of Stranger Things 4. Then when Stranger Things 4 comes out, you release the movie again with the first episode or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like something... Or even along the lines that here, we put the first two episodes of Stranger Things 4 together and we made it into a feature-length movie. Go see it in theaters. The third episode isn't coming out for two weeks. You know, two weeks after, we're going to pull the movie out of theaters. And then when the third episode premieres, we're going to put the other two episodes up with it as well. But the only the only way you can see it now is if you go to theaters. That, that, to me, makes a little bit more sense because Stranger Things has a following. It has people that are so enthralled in that universe that they would pay the money to go see it in theaters if they were told they had to wait two more weeks until the next one. And if that would be the only way to see the first two, unless you were willing to wait two weeks for all three of them to come out right off the bat. Like, I feel like that has a little bit more of a pull for me to want to say, okay, I'm going to go to the theaters to watch this. Red Notice doesn't have that pull for me. Like, I just, I don't see the the appeal of putting a random film, even though you might be planning a sequel, I don't know. Like, it ends on the way that there could be a sequel. And if this is meant to be like this reimagining of a more comedy-driven Indiana Jones-style film, with, you know, granted, it's got a bunch of twists and turns, you know, it's a good story, it's very enjoyable. But... Again, like, you didn't give it time. Like, how are you going to prove concept if you don't give give it time to do anything? I don't believe this pulled in much in the box office. Like, the budget was, like, almost eight figures and it barely pulled in a million dollars or something. Like, that just doesn't seem worth it to me in the long run because I'm pretty sure whatever you made in the box office probably made what you had to pay to distribute it to the theaters in and of itself 
and then you just released it on Netflix anyway. Like, I waited for it to come out on Netflix. This didn't look like it was worth it for me to go see in the theaters. And I love Dwayne Johnson. I love Ryan Reynolds. I love Cal Gadot. These are all these are all people that I love watching their films, and I think they're all great in films, and I love the idea of the three of them finally doing a film together. But why would I go to theaters if it's just going to come out? Like, it's there's, there's no drive for me to say, yes, the theater is where I want to experience this. I'll just wait and watch it at home. I mean, maybe I'm alone with that, but I feel like the numbers wouldn't lie if I was because it really didn't do that good in theaters. And I mean, granted, it was a week. But then what was the point? Just what was the point of doing it like this? If you want to prove concept, then you have to do it with something that you feel that people would actually drag to the theaters to see. Like Netflix has another film coming out, I want to say late this month. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for it, I think. And it's with Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. First off, not even just the fact that it's the first time I've ever seen those two together in a film, but it's the newest Leonardo DiCaprio film since his last one, which I believe was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, almost a year, two years ago, you know, right before the pandemic, I feel like that film came out. So yeah, that's a big deal. You want to prove concept, maybe push that into theaters for the remainder of the year. Then starting January, you know, some point in January 2022, pull it out of theaters, put it on Netflix. Maybe you'll get some people wanting to describe, subscribe to it to see it again. Maybe you'll just get some people that never got to see it in theaters. Or maybe you'll actually make enough money in theaters to prove whatever concept you're trying to do. This just wasn't the film for me that would have done it. And again, I think I've said this in other entries before, I'm no marketing expert, but I just feel like this was a lackluster attempt to try to prove a concept that is going to miss. And if it never happens again, I just, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. Like, it seems like it's very much picking at straws to see which one's the longest, but then realizing they're all the same size like it just there doesn't seem to be much purpose to move forward but maybe you don't need to move forward just do do what you're doing like netflix has survived every other service that has come before it and it survived losing so much content because disney started doing its own thing like if it's able to survive something like disney so like I, I saw the downfall of the DC Universe, which I never thought I would. Like, the DC Universe subscription was fantastic, but it flopped. And now it's owned by HBO Max. So anything that was on DC Universe is now an HBO Max property, and that makes a lot of sense to me. But I saw that flop. Disney Plus, going strong. Hulu, going strong. You know, YouTube Live TV, going strong. You have something like whatever this Peacock service is coming up, and Tubi. You have all these services coming out, and Netflix is one of the originals, and it's still thriving, not even just off of its original content. It's still going strong based on just its formula, based on the fact that it's the first one. That if all of these services take up a certain percentage of the market, Netflix at one point had 100% of this market, and now it looks like maybe it has more like 40 but when you say that it has only 40% of the market and the rest, the other 60% is split between six other services, like, you're still doing good. And maybe they're losing money in some way. I don't know. 
But I just know that I feel like this, if this was a way for them to try to step out of what they're normally doing and actually become like not just a streaming service, but also a service that creates production style films that can go into theaters. And they do. They make great films. Almost every Netflix original film that I've seen, at least, is really, really good. At least nine out of ten films are fantastic. But if you're trying to bring in more money, then you have to make them theater exclusive almost. Because why are you putting it out on your service if you're trying to make money in the movie theater? Like, when you make, like, 0.5% of the budget that you put in to make the film in theaters, that's that, that just, that feels like a waste. That feels like it's a waste of time. And maybe you should rethink it or really try to think about a film that would be worth it doing it like that. And I just don't think this was it.